49ers marked the third highest ticket sold game of the season, believe it or not, for the Commanders. Mm. Number three in tickets sold. They kept their sellout streak going, all their home games this season. The problem was, yet again, there were more 49ers fans there than Commanders fans. Welcome back, Grant and Danny. Jay Gruden joins us in one hour at 6 o'clock. I wonder what Josh Harris, Mitch Rails, Magic Johnson, Mark Einan company, this ownership group, is thinking about the state of attendance as it pertains to the local fans Mm -hmm. and what kind of plans they're going to put in place to try to get visiting fans out of there. Here is one thing I have heard, okay? Dan Snyder made almost no attempt ever to have visiting fans not at the stadium because, and, and maybe it was just that he would have preferred that they weren't there, but he couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube. But he eventually decided, I need the money that comes from dummy in a George Kittle jersey, uh-huh. buying four beers, eating cold chicken tenders, and ruining everyone's time at my stadium all day long. So for Dan, he preferred that fan be there than that empty seat. Now, the people that I've talked to say that the Harris ownership group does not feel that way about trying to recreate an atmosphere at FedEx Field initially. And you can say if you want, you could do the you know eye roll, be cynical and say, I don't believe that. Of course, someone's going to say that. But it, what I've been told is that they would rather initially, not forever, mm-hmm. but lose some money up front to have a better experience for fans in the hopes that that swings the narrative on FedEx Field a little bit and that people will start telling other people, hey, I actually have fun. I like being here. and may, Or maybe they'll bring extra people. Yeah, it's the drum or, I've beaten forever. It's it's friend-raising over fund-raising, and, right? And, exactly. Instead of going to one or two games a year, if you go and you have a lot of fun, and it's hard to do that if you're losing, but it, it is a lot easier to have fun if you're not the only Commanders fan in, in the direct area where you are. If you're not being screamed at by Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, 49ers, Dolphins, whatever it is, fans, Mm -hmm. while you're trying to sit and watch your team lose at home, it gets a little more fun when other teams are also watching the team. uh, Other fans of your team, Mm -hmm. other Commanders fans, are watching the team lose. So what I've been told is they're going to do what they can to get some of the tickets out of the hands of the brokers, to get some of the tickets back to a point where, even if they're not being sold, not selling out, fewer fans in the stands, fewer beers and hot dogs being bought, in the short term, I don't think this would be their plan forever. You can't, this is a business. But they believe that it would be better for them in the long run to basically make it really hard or harder, whatever they can do, to have a bunch of fans take over the stadium and just have lesser attendance next year. So they're going to work at that. But I just wonder if they know how much or they knew how much of an undertaking this was going to be. I think anecdotally you might know, but then when you actually crack the books or get into the nitty-gritty, you go, oh, my God. Like As they sit there watching the game, they have to be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I remember being told a long time ago that in one of their first meetings they ever had with players, the owners were sitting down with the players, Uh one of the things that would constantly come up is the atmosphere at home and the lack of fans and the lack of home field and you know, we've had players tell us before, sure. we like playing on the road better than at home. I'm quite sure. I don't know that they said those words to the owners, but if, if you interview enough players, they're going to tell you, this is not a good situation for us. I'm not blaming the fans, by the way. Not at all. I know how we got here. But this ownership group has to be embarrassed when they see that. 
How could they not be? So they're going to, or or at least acknowledge told. the problem, right? Exactly. I mean, the old group, the old group should have been embarrassed for decades. So they weren't. This group's going. We inherited a mess. I don't think Dan was embarrassed. I really believe here's the difference in paradigm. I think Hog looks at this and they go, "Oh my God, mm-hmm. it's all 49ers fans." Yeah, this is so awful for our people that are trying to come to these games. I think Dan would look out at the crowd yesterday and go, "Yes, thank God we got people here. We got butts and seats, man." Uh, let, let me see the reports on what we we, we generated today because he needed the money. Yeah, and I do think that's a big difference. And the only way to fix it, the only way to get more fans in the stands wearing burgundy and gold, is to acknowledge it's an issue and try. Yeah, and try to do that. The last guy that did that was Brian Lafamina. Lasted almost seven months. So, yeah, hopefully the new leaf has been no turned one can over. Fire these guys if they're trying to do it. Exactly. So this was this was a paradigm thing for years ago when the writing was starting to be on the wall, where people started to get fed up, but weren't totally yet. Washington, then the Redskins, partnered with these brokerage sites, the StubHubs of the world, the Seat Geeks, the Ticketmasters, and everything else. There's a difference between everybody uses them, right? So, like, if you can't go to a game and you put your seats on StubHub, that's your process, that's your thing. There's not much people can really do about that. There's a difference between that, though, and early on, giving those blocks to to the, the, the brokers or the, the third-party folks so they can bust people down from Philadelphia or have the, the Dallas Cowboys local club uh, group of fans come in and have a whole section or, or whomever We're else. We're just selling them 10,000 of them. And this is, that's my point. Is yeah. That was it, that initial wave. This is decades ago that they started to do this. You just wash and, your hands and you go, we just sold 10,000 tickets. Yeah. You don't care who ends up with them. You, don't, you exactly. don't care that it was at a massive discount. You just you did it. And they kept up the illusion of the season ticket waiting list and all this other kind of nonsense. You know, 15 years after we all knew that it was bogus and, 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 a, and a total load of bunk. So the problem, I think, is worse maybe than, than people even realize in terms of that. Because you saw Washington fans in week one against Arizona. They were. They were there. There was, was a new awesome. regime. It was exciting. Now, you know, it was mixed against the Bills, I think, but still predominantly Washington fans. Well, I'll, I'll go one better than that. Go back to the preseason game against the Ravens. The atmosphere was awesome. Yeah. There can, there couldn't have been a ton of fans there. It's a preseason game, for God's sake. So I don't know what the number is, okay? In a stadium, a stadium that seats 70,000 now, 68,000, whatever it is. Let's say there were 40,000 people there and there were 30,000 Commanders fans or, you know, 25 to 15 or something. Whatever it was. Like, those fans, it was the first night of the Harris Ownership Group being at home. They were so excited. They were so happy. The team played well. Sam Howell played well. Remember they came back and kicked the field goal at the horn to beat the Ravens? And, oh, yeah. And everyone was joning on us because we loved it, and we beat the Ravens. And in and, and D.C., it was like this big accomplishment, you know, because the Ravens had this re- record-long streak of preseason wins or whatever. The reason I bring it up, Danny, is to say, I think fewer fans and just – Positive Washington energy, like pro commanders, butts and seats, would be such a better way forward for them than a a fake sellout. Mm-hmm. And I say fake in air quotes. It's real, but it's all Dolphins fans. It's yeah. all 49ers fans. Right, right, right. And there's now, if there's a will, there's a way. Like, there's now a will to, to try to curb that. You can't keep people from being there, but you can make it more difficult. They never tried in the past, in my opinion. They never wanted to try. It wasn't that guy's prerogative. He he was he hated an empty seat. That's what he hates. I think right now at this moment, this group hates non-commanders fans in seats. Now, we'll see if rubber meets the road. They're not good for the sake of argument in five years. 
if you need some cash, exactly, uh, maybe. But it's it's, and again, I'm, I hope that there's stick to it, miss and follow through. But it was always about taking short term pain. This is both in football operations and with the business ops. You need short term pain for long term gain. They never did it. It was always the next quick fix, the the next uh, you know, band aid, the next one player away, the next solution, the next white knight, the next you know business ops person, the next person that was going to do this scheme for season tickets or whatever. It's always been nonsense. Instead of doing the real, honest to good, painful work, which won't yield results right away. There's no plant that you throw it into the ground and come back the next day and 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 uh, and harvest it. It doesn't work that way. You've got to do a whole lot of work with this fan base that the last regime simply wasn't willing to do. I'm hoping these guys. Early on, they are, and they're saying all the right things, doing all the right things. I have zero complaints. I hope that there's that follow-through in a year, two, three, four, five years down the line where they're, they're still digging. Here's what I wonder about the crowd, the, the atmosphere. I mentioned earlier in the show that Adam Peters was at the game. Mm-hmm. He is the 49ers assistant GM. He's the closest thing from a GM standpoint to Ben Johnson, okay, in the – uh, hiring search. Darius, you got to work on this. That was a Ben Johnson. Yeah, was ben Johnson alert. We'll get quicker. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. It's our first day, okay? He's he's going to get where he needs to go. It's early. Yeah. Uh, l- listen, we're going to keep working at this, okay? Culture. We really, we got a culture of, <laughs> of hitting buttons as soon as things are set around here, okay? We really do. Uh, he is the closest thing, though, from a GM standpoint to, like, can't miss kid. For the record, the way the 49ers front office works, based on what I've been told and the way that it's been explained to me, Kyle Shanahan is very involved, heavily, heavily involved. By the way, Mike Shanahan has a lot to do with the 49ers from the outside in. Uh, they, they lean on him a lot. But Adam Peters does a lot of the work. And John Lynch, I don't want to call him just a figurehead. That's disrespectful. But I think John Lynch is kind of the front-facing, I remember that guy as a safety like Hall of Famer that everybody likes, press conference, looks good in a suit, face of everything. But I think Adam Peters is the worker, and I think the Shanahans are super, super involved in a lot of things, mostly Kyle, obviously. But I think Mike probably has more influence than people think in that building. But long story short, Peters was at FedEx on Sunday. I saw him, you know, as I'm in line to get my hot dog, right? What I'm wondering, though, Danny, is if he has been talking to them in some way or his agent is, or whatever back channels they're working here, you're at that game. Does the lack of energy from the locals, you know, the fact that my team just overran this stadium, does any of that register or matter that you go, God, this team's so far away from this fan base, like being all the way back in? Or maybe do you view it as a sleeping giant? Do you only take notes on the football stuff? Like, you might just be out watching the football thing because you go, wow, this is a hell of a cleanup. It's like mm-hmm. walking into a house with mold on the walls. and I don't know. He could look at the roster and see something different. I looked over right after Sam's second pick. Would have been his third pick, but one of them got dropped, thank God. Uh, but his 19th pick of the season, I look over at Adam Peters, and he's like fist pumping and high-fiving uh, John Lynch. And, and I'm just thinking, like, I wonder what's going through his mind. I'm like, oh, now I know. He's just elated that the 49ers are about to – Run away with this. Yeah, his team's about to get the one seed. Yeah, I mean. But I wonder if you're a future executive, like an executive who might take a job here, and you go to FedEx Field or you see the, the atmosphere on TV and you're like, dang, that's a long ways away from being a fun place to run a team. So I do think it's a factor. 
And I know a lot of people will just roll their eyes and say, no, no, no. But to me, again, this this was another thing that I kept hammering when the hog group started to take over here. Everything is way below grade. The stadium, the stupid facility, 40, 50 miles away in Ashburn, the whole setup is bizarre and silly. And I don't mean like silly. I mean like silly. It's nonsensical. I can't believe it's still a thing. Everything about their operation is, is unserious and not professional. So much work needs to happen. It's harder than just, hey, I got to build a good football team, right? That's really hard to do in and of itself. It's an extra layer of challenge that they need to start addressing now. Like the day the season ends, like Sunday, they should go, here are our renovation plans. Here's what's going to be done in Ashburn by the time these guys come together for minicamp. Here's this fix. This They need to start now. The, pr- the problem with that is the facility is going to be at the new stadium. You're, you're just lipsticking a, a pig. And they're, they've been doing that for years. I mean, it's mm. just, we're still talking about the place like it's terrible because it is. I mean, but they've added tens of millions of dollars. I mean, Mike Shanahan, I, I remember when I was on the beat talking about all the renovations. Oh, yeah. Well, before him, they practiced in an airport hangar when it rained. Exactly. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just saying, there, there is nothing they can do yeah. that will change that that place is not up to snuff. Just like the stadium. They're going to keep doing it. They dumped $40 million in last year. They'll dump another several million in this year. But what was the, we saw, was it $100 million or something? The plans and... They're going to finish the sound and the screens. They're doing all that. Yeah, you may not notice it. It's you're still going to go and and you're going to be in a long line and your your tenders are going to be cold <laughs> and you're going to hate the team until yeah. they start winning, right? But I don't know. I I guess the way I would view it personally is it's a clean easel for me. Like I like the idea of this being what it is right now because I have a chance to look like a conquering. And you hero. know, all these guys are alphas, right? All these guys totally. are are. The way I do, it's gonna it's gonna get it done. I just don't know if a guy like Peters would want to leave a really good situation in his case specifically to come to Washington because he he is it. I mean, use air quotes. He is effectively the GM in a lot of ways, from what I've heard. Like he has a lot of influence. He calls a lot of the shots. He has a lot of say in what they do, and it's you don't get the title. You know, that title means something. I'm That's sure what I would want. Lots I, of money come with it. I need to be the guy out front. Like, I, you you could be the worker behind the scenes and have the, the 49ers family know. Right. Uh-uh. I, I want my own ship. NFL circles knowing doesn't really butter your bread. Right. Like, me calling around and asking some people, are like, dude, Adam Peters runs that team. Okay. Next time there's a press conference, John Lynch is the guy talking. Mm. And when, when you, at the end of the game, in the NFC Championship game, when they're passing out hats, John Lynch is on the stage with yeah. Kyle Shanahan. Getting the roses. Like, I don't want a dude in front of it. I want, yeah, Adam Peters runs the team. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't want to be like, dude, you know what the secret is? I don't want a secret. I want I want that guy. But I do wonder, just from the standpoint, the reason I bring up the mm-hmm. crowd and all that, I he was there. Yeah. You know, he's watching it. How much does that stuff matter and resonate? But you're right. There's just probably other more important things. Like, him walking into the stadium going, ugh, this place stinks. Yeah. There's you no know? home field advantage here. Thank God he didn't have to tour the facility while he was out here. That's good. You can hold that off as long as possible. <laughs> Maybe let him tour the facility after he says After yes. you are hired. By the way, here's your office. This is it? Yeah. I, I hope they interview Ben Johnson in Detroit. <laughs> ben Johnson alert. There we go. Ben Johnson there alert. There we go. Ben Johnson alert. I want to go to Greektown, to one of those casinos that they have, and I want to sit in a smoky casino next to some 80-year-old smoker who's playing the slot machines, (laughs) hacking. And I want to sit right there and interview Ben Johnson. 
That's got better ambiance than a boardroom in Ashburn. <laughs> that, that's where I want that meeting. To I want a hole in the wall square pizza joint, you know, right off of eight mile. Let's go to Shane, who's in Switzerland listening Shane. on the Odyssey app. In case Yo. you're keeping score at home, we've had calls Germany, Germany and Switzerland today. Anybody in France want to hit your boys up? What's up, Shane? Hey, Commander Danny Grant. Happy New Year to you guys. Thank you. You too, buddy. What's the weather in Switzerland today? Is it butt cold? It's 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 pretty nice. It's it's uh, what's eleven. It's after eleven o'clock up here. But today was nice. We was out skiing today, so it was fantastic. We hit the Alps and for about a couple of hours, came back and had some hot toddies by the fireplace. And now we're just putting everybody to bed and just relaxing. What's a hot toddy? Is that a cocktail? That's an alcoholic beverage. So basically, they're famous for tea over here. So I'm a big tea drinker. So. I brought some bourbon. Plus, my my buddies over here, they're not big. They don't get a lot of bourbon over here. What so kind of bourbon, bourbon is it? What, what's your bourbon of oh, choice? It's, it's Antique 107. Oh, look at this guy. All right. <laughs> Very nice. So, but they drink a lot of moonshine over here. So they do drink a lot, a lot of uh, uh, potent, potent wines, I would say. It's more like a port wine. But uh, they don't get a lot of bourbon up here. If they do, it's very, very expensive. And so I just bring it over here for my buddies, and we sit back and you know, smoke some meat like a country boys and drink some bourbon and hit the skis. Sounds good. Yeah, it's great life. Happy Not New Year, a bad guys. time. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, so here's the thing. Obviously, Ron Rivera has inherited one of the best offensive lines. He had a Hall of Fame left tackle. Uh, he had a, I mean, all pro right guard. He could be a, a, a Hall of Famer, uh, depending on how he goes at the end of the career. But he was inherited a great, great team. And now we'll look what he has on the roster. He got, he's got guys that can barely make a roster right now. So, yes, if you went from year one to year four, just like any other business, it has declined. This stock right here started out high, right? And now this stock, you sell this as, right now. You, get, you don't want this stock right now. But it's going to be the best coaching job in the NFL. Reason why? Because you got the second pick coming in the draft, and you can rebuild. I do think they moved Jonathan Allen. I think he's the last piece. And I think they, if they don't try to entertain that thought, they're crazy. But I think it's a rebuild. And we got to be patient now with the Harris group as commander fans. And let's hope they change the name going forward. And we can start back being fans again in the city. They're not going to change the name this offseason. I mean, that momentum has died off. It's just not going to happen. Doesn't mean they don't want to or that they won't eventually. I absolutely think they're going to. I just think it's going to be next offseason before they get around. This is the GM and head coach offseason. And then they can focus. Because as an ownership group, let's face it, ideally by a year from now, they're going to have a lot less to do football-wise, and they can start getting into some of the other stuff. So Indeed. I, I would put my money on next offseason, that all ramping back up. The, the only thing I'll take issue with in that call, did he say that it, a Rivera inherited a great roster? Yeah, I would disagree with that assessment. I, they were 3-13. and 13. But there were good players there, that's exactly. the point, yeah. Great Rosters don't go three and thirteen, Mm-mm. and that was not a three and thirteen team. That was pretty much more of a six or seven win team. You know, even if you want to say six wins or so, maybe fine. But under Jay, they you know a bad year was kind of what the norm has been with Rivera to this point. I was thinking about this too. I don't think, and this is not a shot at Rivera, but I don't think a coach will ever coach twelve years again and have nine losing seasons, like. That A, it should be impossible to begin with. It's going to be 10 out of 13, I think, at the end of this year, or is it 9 out of 12? Uh, I'll look up the numbers. But my point all along with Rivera, whenever we've talked about him, has been you hired a 7 and 10 coach and you got 7 and 10 results. 
Like, people act like, well, if, if the Carolina guy would have walked through the door, everything would have been great. The Carolina guy came here. Like, that. that's what you got. You got the same results for the most part, minus a, a Superman Cam Newton season. Nine years in Carolina, four here. That's three winning seasons in 13 years. Right. So 10 yeah. out of 13. No one's ever had 13 years as a coach with only three winning seasons, ever. You just don't get that. You're not well-liked enough. People aren't advocating for you enough. Like it's, it's just never been something that, that would be possible. This is a one-off because Rivera's like a good dude that everybody likes and probably isn't that bad, but the results speak for themselves. I just don't think it's possible that it'll ever happen again in an era where you don't get time. Hard to thread that needle. His last winning season was 2017. What, rhetorically, what were you doing in 2017 if you're out there at Radio Land? Probably very different than what you're doing right now. I think I was telling people that if Kirk Cousins walks, the quarterback situation is going to be worse for a while. It's going to be murky. Write that down, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. Unique <clears throat> New York. <clears throat> I think I was telling people Kyle Shanahan doesn't just have a job because his dad's name is Mike. <clears throat> <clears throat> there it is. No, it's good. That's good. Bitch whistle. Jay Gruden joins the show at six. Happy Ron anniversary. Four years ago today, the introductory press conference of Ron Rivera. We're Grant and Danny. You're listening to the fan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Jay Gruden joins the show in a half hour at 6. Welcome back. We're Grant and Danny. You are listening to the fans. Some other things going on around the NFL. Get back to the commanders in a second. Dude, the Baltimore Ravens destroyed the Dolphins on Sunday. That game was pretty stunning. I think it was more surprising than how they mollywopped San Francisco in the much-anticipated battle of one seeds a week before. Because in that game, you can just kind of explain it away as Brock Purdy just laid an egg, went to the bathroom in his pants, whatever you prefer. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. He just threw four picks in the first half, and that was all she wrote. They hung 56 on the Dolphins. Miami's in trouble. My guess is one of, or maybe both, of their injured players, Jalen Waddell at wide receiver, Raheem Mostert at running back, come back and play this weekend in their division title game against the Bills. So that's good news for their offense, and they'll be able to move the ball, I think. But defensively, remember, right before they played Washington, they lost their edge rusher, Jalen Phillips, who was having a career year. Yep, with the Achilles. Now Bradley Chubb got carted off. He's feared to be not only out for the remainder of the postseason in their year, but maybe through early part of next year with a serious knee injury. I mean, they have had a lot of issues with health to key players on defense, and this is happening to them again now, where mm -hmm. you can look at it through one lens and say, they just beat Dallas in a huge game. They're 11 and 5. They got a chance to win the division at 12 and 5 and be a tough out. But they also, I'm picking them to lose to the Bills, be a wild card team. If you lose your first round playoff game on the road at that point, 
it's two straight years yep. where you basically were the bee's knees for three quarters of the year and kind of collapsed down the stretch. And they're going to be the, the poster child for the people that love to yell at guys like you and me, but see, offense doesn't necessarily win or, or whatever. And it's, I'm pretty annoyed about that. But yeah, you, you already said it. That's what's happening to them. The injuries down the stretch here. On the they're flip really side, good. though, the Ravens. They're, they're ridiculous. Grant, well, did Lamar just lock up the MVP? He should have, right? I would say yes. But think about this for Baltimore. Eight of their last 10 games, because remember the story at the beginning of the season was how good is this offense going to be? You know, what's Lamar with the, with Todd Munkin? We're, we're figuring it out. Eight of their last 10 games, they've scored north of 30 points. Yeah. And, By the way, why isn't Todd Munkin being mentioned as a head coaching candidate? Like everyone, uh, like, yeah. look, every conversation should begin with Ben Johnson. That goes without saying. Goes without saying. <laughs> ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. But a Todd Munkin mention every now and then would be okay. You can I mention said. Todd Munkin. Like Bobby Slowick and Shane Bobby. Waldron. There are some other people, too. I, I don't think I'm over Ben Johnsoning, but Todd Munkin is also a guy. This yeah. offense is awesome to go with one of the best defenses in the sport. Their DVOA, the way we kind of measure year over year and, and impact relative to league strength, it's up there with some of the best teams to ever be. Like, they're yeah. awesome. They have the best point differential in the NFL. Now, who knows what happens in the postseason? Up, upsets happen, good, bad, and different. Like, they should be a Super Bowl favorite. Like, the favorite right now. Lamar Jackson, 18 of 21, three incompletions. 320 yards and five touchdowns. Had a 75-yard touchdown pass mm. to Zay Flowers, who went for 105 in the game. Uh, but with the five touchdowns, no turnovers, perfect quarterback ranking, I think rating, I think he put the MVP on ice. Well, think about this. In years past, if, like, Mark Andrews had a boo-boo, that was the end of their offense. Yeah. Like, that was it. No, we're just just take a knee and punt. Now, they just, it's like they never missed him. Here is where I'm going to go out on a little limb and possibly look like a silly goose. Uh-oh, here we go. I still don't trust the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl. Which is weird because there's not really anybody in the AFC that's that good. Like, they would beat Kansas City if they played right now. They would beat Miami. They just beat them by 40. Based on this, yeah. <laughs> 37 point win. I guess maybe I'd pick Buffalo. Like, I actually think Buffalo's the team I've been on mm-hmm. for a month. Four weeks ago, I said they're going to run the table and win the division. And I, I just, I would not want to play them right now in the playoffs. But on paper, Baltimore should be favored and expected to beat every single team in the AFC. I don't know if it's just a, I've seen it this in the past mm-hmm. and I got to see it to believe it thing. Or what? But I don't know. I just, if if you told me Ravens are the field, I think I would take the field. And I think I'm in the minority on that. No, I mean, here's the thing. It, with 13 teams overall that aren't the Ravens and, you know, the I mean history the of postseason. Okay, fine. The, the six teams and you aren't get a the Ravens. Buy. So you only, we're talking yeah. about winning one game and you're in the AFC Championship. So, I, I mean, I, hmm. I'd probably bet the field, too, because, again, stuff happens. In the AFC, you would? Yeah, but just as you said, some, somebody gets hot, there's an injury that we don't know about, or somebody does something, who knows? But to me, everybody doesn't trust them because they lost to the Titans in 2019, basically. Like, to me, this is the best team in the NFL. And I know that's, like, not that crazy to say after what they've done the last few weeks. Right. But they should be the favorite. And I don't know that I trust anybody, but, like, if, if there's if, if it's a trust meter, then my highest rating is for them. All right, so real quick, let's go through this. Mm-hmm. So let's say Buffalo beats Miami. I don't know if you agree with me or not. But I'm picking I the think Bills they do, this yeah. weekend. They win the division. So then you'd have... The Bills and, let's say, the Texans get a win and, and surpass the Colts. Bills-Texans first round, Buffalo Bills. wins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City against Miami. 
in the first round. Ooh, that'd be good. That's a that's an interesting contest. I like Kansas City there just because defense pedigree, and I, I think Miami's too banged up. I could see either team winning. By the way, that is a hell of a game. Sign me up for that right now. Uh, I'll say the I'll say the Chiefs as well. Um, and then the other game would be Jacksonville, Cleveland. I think the Browns defense beats the Jaguars. Right yeah, now. I think the Jaguars are frauds. So then the next round, Baltimore off the bye would get. If Buffalo wins, it'd be probably, them, right? No, they'd be no. a division champ. It'd be Cleveland. It'd be Cleveland. Like the Browns-Ravens is a good football game. Yeah. I think they're favored by six and a half or something at home. Mm-hmm. That's a really good game to me. By the way, Joe Flacco in Joe Baltimore. Joe Flacco in Baltimore. Beating the Ravens in the playoffs. Can you imagine? Would be the funniest thing that ever happened. Can you imagine how upset the Ravens fans would be? If that if that was the case? I don't even know what I would root for at that point. <laughs> because the idea that people think Joe Flacco is really good is super annoying to me. <laughs> and also, for whatever reason, like Ravens fans are moderate. Yeah, I know Lamar's won two MVPs, but there was just something about Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> Going to Baltimore and beating the Ravens. Can would, you imagine? It would be so funny. That would be the greatest. We could get Stafford returning to Detroit and Flacco returning to Baltimore in the same postseason. Imagine the that. The same day. In the, that'd yeah. be in, unbelievable. I think that Stafford returning to Detroit is obviously a better storyline, but Flacco-Baltimore is pretty good. Uh, but let's say they get past that one, which they should, and they would probably. Uh, they beat the Browns. Would be a good football game. Then you're looking at an AFC title game, and now it's Kansas City or it's Buffalo or whatever. So my point is mm-hmm. to get to the Super Bowl, they'll basically have to win a team, a game against a team in their division they're better than, and then win a game against super flawed Chiefs or a Bills team that was under 500 a month ago. Like that's not the the worst path ever. No, at home to get to a Super Bowl. I mean, listen, the Bills are hot. They they are the team that nobody wants to see at this point, right? I mean. They got to beat the Dolphins to finish it, but you're right. And I think if if let's say they do, and we're all kind of assuming they will, they'll be 11 and six. And we viewed them because they were midseason, as you said, they were struggling. Oh, what a failure! 11 and six team that's all sorts of expectations that's hitting the ground running come postseason time. Like that's the group that would terrify me if I was the Ravens. Everyone else, I'm better than, and I could prove it. Here's the other interesting one in the AFC: is the Steelers. Do you realize that Kenny Pickett is ready to play, and they're going with Mason Rudolph over him? Yep. Like, it's not like Kenny Pickett's not 100%. He is a full participant in practice, and they are choosing Mason Rudolph. He doesn't get to practice as much as Mason Rudolph, I guess. I don't think this is, like, a long-term thing. My guess is they haven't been able to do anything all year, and now two straight games they've scored 30 points. So with a week to go, you're not going to go back to Pickett. But I would imagine they're going to go hire an offensive coordinator, and the number one mission you hand that guy is fix Kenny Pickett. And if you can't, and he's broken, whatever. But that'll, you know, he'll be the starter early next year. Two names I've heard from people around the league on the Steelers OC gig. Eric Bieniemy in Pittsburgh oh. keeps coming up. And Byron Leftwich is a guy being linked to the Steelers in NFL circles. Where's Leftwich well. right now? I believe he's out of the league this year. Took the year off. He was the OC with Brady in, in Tampa. Uh-huh. Things went really badly there last year, and then he took the year off. There you go. But uh, him and Tomlin, I don't know if they've already been talking or what, but sounds like he's being linked to Pittsburgh pretty extensively, and a couple of people have told me watch out for Pittsburgh on the enemy as well. If they just had an okay offense, that's a 13-win team. Steelers could still make the playoffs, by the way. Uh, here's what would have to happen. Pittsburgh win and a Buffalo loss, they're in. Pittsburgh win and a Jacksonville loss or tie. Pittsburgh win and Houston and Indianapolis tie. Or 
and there's other crazy stuff. But, like, I just gave you a bunch of scenarios. They got to beat Baltimore, which would have been awful, except that the Ravens don't need don't anything. Need it. So they could, they might not sit everybody the whole game, but they're going to sit everybody for some of that game, and maybe the Steelers beat them. They've already beaten them once earlier this year, by the way. In the, the weirdest game ever, by the way. We're trying. Yeah. So if they win that game, now they just need a Bills loss or a couple other things, and they're in the playoffs. It'd be 10-7 and seven with that offense. Can you imagine? <laughs> that is That would make that a... Like a 14-win rest of the team. Seriously. Defense, special teams, coaching is a 14-win team. Your offense is a 5-win team, and you get to 10-7. and seven. That's how that math works, I think. What a coaching job. G&D on the fan. Defenders fans. Some XFL news over the weekend, plus a Ronaversary. Got an audio clip we'll play for you as we continue on G&D. Jay Gruden at the top of the hour. Grant and Danny welcoming you back on the fan. Danny just walked back into the studio as the show was starting. I had Al- to jog. Almost tardy. You know why? It's why this show marriage has lasted 10 years. Uh-huh. It's little kindnesses. Acts of service is your love language. He just went and scooped up his unsolicited. He just went and got his guy a spoon so I could stir the honey mm-hmm. into my hot tea. Which I also provided, right? The honey. Yeah. You did. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, I- people, people, helping people. I went to the kitchen mm-hmm. to get hot water for my tea. Did you get the hot water? I was talking to the uh, custodian that was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I came back here and I realized my, my I'd gotten the cold water. Got the cold water. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done when you went to get hot water? 806 Street. <laughs> <laughs> so I got cold water. Then I went back and got hot water. Mm-hmm. But uh, now you were super stressed that I needed to mix in the honey. Why is yeah, that? Well, because if you just put honey and now you just have honey in the bottom of your tea, that didn't help you. The honey is to is to help the throat. But I think eventually it's going down the chute, yeah? Well, yeah, but you got to go through a whole bunch of tea before you get to the honey part. And now you're just drinking honey at the bottom, which is a weird bit. You want to mix it in. I still don't get how people drink hot liquids. Super hot, like mm-hmm. coffee. Yeah, I just don't get I, what you don't get there. Well, it burns my taste buds. Mm. How is... And you know, I, I don't have any problem with heat in my mouth. I eat chicken wings yeah. before anyone. Like, everyone's, like, touching them and dropping them. I've eaten two. I have no problem, right? You're a mauler when it comes to, to that. But the the taste bud burning liquids, it's it blows my mind. I, it makes me wonder if I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Is it not supposed to touch my tongue somehow? How do no, you get it, it does. Let me touch your tongue. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's, it is so soothing and calming, and it's the point of getting out of bed. Is to get that hot beverage. It's you, the point. You want to hear a little audio from four years ago today? I want to go down. When Memory Captain lane. Ron Ron Rivera, happy Ron anniversary, took over the Washington Commanders. So the one clip that stood out to me more than anything else from his introductory press conference four years ago today was him talking about the coach centric approach and the fact that that's why he came here. Uh, listen to this with hindsight having become wisdom. Gets each other. I took this job for one simple reason, one simple reason, because Dan Snyder came to me with a very interesting perspective. For weeks, he's explored the reasons why some teams win and some teams don't. He told me the common factor in that transitional success of teams like the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Chiefs, and some of the other ones, was the decision to take it and make a coach-centered approach. Not an owner-centered approach or a team president 
or a GM, but a coach-centered approach. I told Mr. Snyder that I appreciate the fact that he believes the head coach matters. But I told him I would be honored, but under one condition. It had to be a player-centered culture. That's a clip that aged poorly, as the kids say. <laughs> right? <laughs> not one of those organizations where the GM runs things. This is not a team president football operations, works with the GM, works with the coach, fix the quarterback kind of deal. We want one of those situations where what the coach says goes. Yuck. And by the way, all the Mr. Snyder's in there. Dan did some research. Oh, really? What was what was Dan looking at? What did was Dan on Pro Football Reference looking at standings year over year? Who was was he talking to somebody? Did they, did they have the analytics sheet that you looked at that told you Carson Wentz was good? Dan was doing research. Are you kidding me? Uh, we got one more clip. Oh, good. That we found interesting Yay. from the introductory press conference. How about this quote and how it aged four years ago today? I told him I didn't want to go through a five-year rebuilding process. Because quite honestly, I, don't, I just don't have the patience. And from what I've read, neither does he, so we understand that. <laughs> I told him this team... Chappelle killing it on Netflix. <laughs> from what I've read, neither does he. Hot crowd. Zing approved by ownership. Mrs. Snyder sitting there like, oh, oh, Ron. The irreverence. Oh, we know what you're saying. They, they've they written that he's a little bit reactionary. Oh, boy. That's our Dan you're talking about. That's perfect. The five-year rebuild. By the way, three or four years in, he's like, roster building? That's what we're doing, okay? We're roster building. I didn't have the patience either, buddy. Jay Gruden. He knows a thing or two about working for Dan Snyder and trying to make it work around here. The former head coach in the nation's capital, he joins the show next on Grant and Danny right here on The Fan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 